Um, James chapter 2, we're going to go with verse 14. Um, So as you're turning there, if I could title the message, I would title the message, um, Saving Faith, A Faith That Works. And I'm going to explain what that means. So when I say if I could title it, so I had to work on it yesterday in the car driving back from Myrtle Beach yesterday. Um, So what do I mean by that? A saving faith, a faith that works. Do I mean that the faith that we have works, that it is the working part? I do mean that. But not only do I mean that, but I mean that we we should do good works because of our faith. And so... James is very, very controversial. Um, some believe that this is a, a, a prop to, to say that we have to have good works to be holy, that we can do good works. I want to tell you that is not what I'm saying today. That is not what James is saying. James is saying that if you have faith, you will do good works, which is loving the people around you. And I'll explain that. So, the question that I want to ask you today, that I want you to think about through the whole message is, do we as believers have a correct view of faith? Does our faith work? Does our faith work itself out in our community? Does it work itself out when we're in, we're in school, we're at work, we're on vacation, wherever we may be? Does it work? Um, and so first really look at that. I want, to, I want to explain to you what the gospel is. Because if you can really get this wrong, you, we can get this way wrong and say, no, I have to do good works to, to get into heaven, or I have to do good works to be righteous, okay? So I was taught here in this church at Vacation Bible School that Jesus is the only way for me to be holy and righteous. Thankfully, when I was seven years old, I came to Vacation Bible School and I was taught that, and taught that rightly, that I can only place my faith in Jesus, and he is the only one who can make me holy. That's, the problem is not me going to hell. That's not the problem. The problem is that I'm broken and sinful. The problem isn't that I'm worried about going to hell. I'm not trying to get out of hell. I want to be, be made holy again. People search their whole lives for something that they can't find because they're looking in the wrong place. They need to be made holy. I need to be made holy I was made holy. I was made holy on the day that I accepted Jesus Christ and trusted Him as my Savior. In this, in the, in that, in the front row right there, actually. Um, but what does that look like? It's not just a prayer. I want, I want to challenge your view today. Be, we say, you ask, when did you get saved? I asked, when did you get saved? I got saved when I was 11 years old, right there in October at Judgment House. That's when I got saved. But I want to challenge our view of thinking today. When we say I was saved, what does that communicate to the people around you? It communicates, one, that I was saved saved from something. I was saved from something. So first of all, I was saved from the wrath of a holy God, a God that loves me, but a God that is holy, and I cannot be in his presence unless I am made holy, because I am sinful. That's something I was saved from, because he is righteous, and he is holy, and he is good, 
to send me to hell because I am sinful. That's something that people don't like to hear. I mean, how would you like to hear that if I walked up to you in the mall and said, you're not holy and God is going to send you to hell? God has the right, but God didn't do that. God said, I'm going to send my son, whom I love, for you. That's what God did. Because I cannot stand in heaven, in front of God, in front of the Lord, I have to be made holy, so he sent Jesus. So Jesus came and he died. He lived the life perfectly. Everything that he did. So I want you, I want you to think about this. Sometimes we... We don't, we don't read the Old Testament or we don't say the, we forget about the law that Moses gave. We forget about Leviticus and Numbers and all the books that began the Bible. I don't have to do that. They said we couldn't wear cotton. I got, I'm wearing a cotton t-shirt right now. But that's not the point. I, can, I could never fulfill that. I could never do every law. I could never be perfect. But Jesus could. And Jesus was. Jesus didn't come to forget the law or forget what God had put in place. God cannot put something in place and say, oh, no, I'm just kidding. I don't want to do that. I want to do this. God did the exact opposite. He, he put in place a covenant of the law, and he sent Jesus to fulfill it because we couldn't. The law was not given so that we could reach it and we could be holy because God knew that the Israelites could, the Israelites could never be holy. They never could. Even the man after his own heart, David, who killed Goliath, who was king of Israel, sinned in a big way, just like we do every day. So Jesus was, he, he was given to us to live a life that was perfect, to fulfill the law, not to do away with it. He says that in, in Matthew. He wasn't here to, to do away with the law, but to fulfill it so that he could be perfect to take our sin. But wait, Jesus takes our sin. Okay, that's cool. That's awesome. But now I'm at square one. I have no sin, but I'm still not holy. I'm still not holy if he just only takes my sin. I'm holy because his righteousness was given to me. Not only did he die for me, he gave me his righteousness. They, at seminary, they use a big word called imputed his righteousness. So he gave me a person that doesn't deserve that, a person that doesn't deserve to be holy. He gave me his righteousness. So I was saved from the wrath of a holy God and hell. That's what I was saved from. And that's what we communicate as Christians we communicate that when we say, I was saved. You probably never thought about that. I never thought about that. I know for sure I never thought about what does it mean when I say, I am saved. What does it mean to a person in a community that who doesn't know Jesus, I am saved. That communicates, well, I'm saved from something. You weren't just saved for or from something. You were saved for something. Emphasis on the for. What are we saved for? We are saved. We are saved from. But we are saved for also. We were gave something that we could never have. 
so that we could live a holy life. Not because we can do it, but because Jesus did do it. Um, they, they said the gospel is good news. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. But why is it good? Because let me tell you, the bad news is really bad. That's what makes it good. My bad news is I'm not holy. I need help. I need something to make me righteous. And God says, I have a way. So without knowing, if I just tell you you need Jesus and he can make you holy, that's great. But why do I need that? I have two cars, a house, a white picket fence, two and a half kids and a dog. What do I need? The American dream is killed, has put to death any, any idea that we could put that we need anything. Because, let me, let's face it, we're the richest country in the world. I'm a poor college student, right? Well, I was walking in Durham with uh, some people, and there were Haitian students there. And I said, I, so they, they were handing out uh, this track thing for, no, it's not a track, but like a flyer for the old Durham Bulls seats that they were giving out. $25, you can have a Durham Bulls seat. I'm like, I don't need that. Why in the world am I going to buy that? $25? I'm poor. That's what I said out loud in front of Haitian students. I, I, I covered my mouth. I, I didn't think about what I was saying. They have nothing, literally nothing. Some of them have a school to go to. Some of them have an orphanage to go to, but most of them have nothing. We are the wealthiest country in the world, and Satan has used that to blind every person in the, to every person that isn't a follower of Jesus, he's used that. Because what do I need? I don't need Jesus. I have a job. I make X amount of money, and I have a wife, and I have kids. But that's not it. You need something to make you holy, and that's what Jesus has done. He has made me holy, and that's what I want for you if you haven't done that. And it's not just, I'm, I'm getting saved so I don't go to hell. That's not it. That's false. Don't get saved for that. Please don't. Because that's what I thought I was doing when I was at seven. When I was seven, I thought that I was getting saved from hell. But that didn't do anything because I wasn't, saved, I wasn't being saved for something. I didn't understand what was going on. Understand that you're saved from wrath and that being hell. And you were saved from that, but you were saved for to live righteously for good works. So that's the gospel. That was a long introduction. Okay, That's the gospel. So right now we're jumping into James. So let me read James. If you would please stand as I read God's word. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking, lacking in daily food... And one of you says to him, go in peace and be, be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What is good? Is, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. 
Even the demons believe and shudder. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word today. I pray that you speak, not I speak, and I pray that that your people hear what you have to say. This is something that we have to work, work at and work at and work at because we, sometimes we get complacent. But God, I pray that we love one another, that we do good works, and I pray that we hear the word this morning. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Um, so, James, like I said before, James is very controversial. James says that we need works. But is James saying faith plus works? Plus works. I would argue, no, that's not what James is saying. I would say that saving faith is accompanied by works. So if you're taking notes, the first point is saving faith produces transformation in the believer's life, causing them to do good works. I'll say it again. Saving faith produces transformation in the believer's life, causing them to do good works. I want you to be, pay attention to the word cause. I cannot do it on my own. I cannot do anything on my own. No good works can I do. Well, Cody, I can give to, the, to goodwill. That's good. But why would you do it? So that you can get a tax return or something. I'm not, I don't know. Maybe you don't do that. Maybe you do it because you're giving to people who need something. Let me tell you what I, what I would, if I wasn't saved, I'm thinking, I'm going to get a tax return. I'm going to get some money back, something. You're doing it for a selfish reason. If you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if he hasn't transformed your life, you cannot do good works. You can say it all day, I did this for something good, but in your heart, you're not doing it. You're doing it for yourself. So James begins in, in verse 14 with a question. He says, what good is it if you have no faith? Um, if faith doesn't work, is it saving faith or is it worthless? That's the question that James is asking. And so when he starts, you would think, well, Gosh, I gotta do something. I got, I, I get saved. I have faith in Jesus, but now I gotta do something to be saved. That's not it at all. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what James is saying. James is saying, real faith, saving faith, will work. It will love each other. So, in in the first part of the chapter two. James is talking about partiality. He's talking about don't give partiality to the rich, but love each other. And so right now, James is jumping into something because he sees people who say, I have faith. I have faith, but I don't do anything about it. I don't do anything for it. I don't do anything because of it. I sit around at my house doing nothing, saying I have faith. James is challenging that view. And some, see, some people think that James is against Paul because Paul says what? You're saved by faith alone. But that's not it at all. Paul and James are arguing for two different things. They're arguing against two different issues. Paul says you're justified by faith. 
James is saying you're justified by works. That doesn't make sense. But you've got to understand what they're arguing against. Paul was arguing against saying, no, you can never do anything good to be saved. You never will. I never will. You will never do anything good to be saved. You cannot do anything. But on the other hand, James, people say, I have faith, but they don't do anything about it. So James is arguing against people who say, I have faith, but don't work it out. They don't do anything about it. So they actually accompany each other. I would say they're two sides of the same coin. They're not arguing against each other, but actually completing each other. Um, If you think about it, here's an example. Because faith is accompanied, saving faith is accompanied with good works. So let's think about that. Let's think about a college diploma. I'm going to get a college diploma, and I will have a degree. Some of you have college diplomas. But what accompanies that diploma? It's not just a piece of paper. You have done the work. You have studied. You have done, uh, have spent countless hours to get a degree. So you have knowledge and skill ready to do the job that, you're hi- that you will be hired for. So that diploma is accompanied with the ability to do the things that it says, whether that's business, an English degree, if you're a teacher, or even a pastor. You have the ability to do those things. With faith, you have the now that Jesus has transformed you. Because remember, you cannot do it by yourself. Jesus has changed your life, has changed the, the core of who you are. Now you can do good works, and that accompanies your faith. Um, what, what James is trying to say, saving faith works. And a workless faith, a workless faith is worthless. Worthless. If we don't, do not do good works because of our faith, because of our faith, then what is our faith for? Because this could happen. God could say, you're saved, now I'm taking you up to heaven. What good is that? Now nobody knows what happened to this person. Instead, God, Jesus gave the, the great commission and said, go out and tell, go out and make disciples. That's why he leaves you here. That's why he leaves you here. Part of the good works is loving your neighbor, saying, I see you. I see that you need something. You need the gospel. You need transformation from being unholy to righteous. You need that. And I'm not just going to tell you about it. I'm going to show you what that has done for me. The greatest apologetic. Apologetics is big right now in in the colleges. We, the movie God's Not Dead just came, just came out a couple months ago. Pretty good movie. 
defending the faith apologetics so we can argue for. But let me tell you, I've never seen someone come to faith in a debate on if God exists or not. The greatest, the greatest defenders of our faith right now never walk into a room and then walk out with somebody being saved in that room. The greatest apologetic that we could ever have is our life to live it for Jesus. You don't have to argue. You don't have to do any of those things. You don't have to come up with debates. If you live your life, if you do good works, if you live your life and love one another, people will see that. Now, that's not just it. You have to go tell. But doing good works accompanies you going to tell. I don't, what good it would for me to do is to see a homeless person. That's what James is saying. Someone needs the things to live. They need food. They need shelter. They need water. And I say, go in peace. Jesus loves you. And they still need things. What good is that to them? Because they don't. They're so poor that they, they hate the world. They're so poor, they need so much that they hate the idea of God because they're in that situation. But if you come alongside them and love them and say, here, here's some water, here's shelter, I can give this to you. But let me tell you why I'm giving this to you. Because of Jesus, he has changed my heart. He has changed my whole being of who I am. And I want you to experience that. That's different. That is different than anything that's happening right now. People either go and give and don't talk about Jesus or they go and tell about Jesus and don't ever meet the needs of the people around them. The greatest thing as a church that you can do is meet the needs around your community. That's the greatest thing you could ever do because they will see something that's different. They will see a difference in you and each other. Go and tell, but also go and serve. Go and love one another. In, in verse 17, he says, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. He answers his question. What good is faith if it does not work? He says it's useless. You don't need it. So what is faith? What is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 says faith is having conviction in the things not seen. A conviction. Because we don't get to see. We're not like the disciples. We don't get to see Jesus. We've made a conscious decision to follow Jesus even though we cannot see him. A conviction. That's not just, oh, I believe. That's not it. I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt over everything else in the world, I know that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and that he was sent for, to die for the world for me. And I can trust him. That's a conviction. That's not a belief. I may believe in something. I've said this to you before. You may believe, I might believe that, that Carolina is the greatest basketball team in the world. But am I going to die for that cause? No, I'm never going to die for that cause. But I will die because Jesus, because I have a conviction of who Jesus is. It's different. Faith is not just, oh, I believe. Faith is, I have a conviction in who he is, and it's changed and transformed my life. Because of faith, I am saved. Because of faith, 
I now can do good works. So in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is talking about you were saved by grace through faith, not of yourself, so that no man should boast. Because I cannot do good works. I cannot do it. So you have faith in Jesus Christ. You are saved by faith alone, but that faith is never alone. It's accompanied by works, by you doing it. And also, you have faith in the person who did the work. Jesus did the work that we could never do. Um, James is actually echoing Jesus when he says, in Matthew, you can see a tree by its fruit. We can see if they, if you, if someone else really believes in what they say by the way you act, by the way things, by the way you do things, by the way you handle things, by the way you handle adversity, by the way you handle joy, good times, people can see the fruit that is in your life. They can see the work of your life. So my question is, does your faith work that way? Are you working your faith out on a constant basis? I want you to be. Because let me tell you, I myself struggle every day. I, do, I, say, I say dumb things. I do dumb things. I get technicals. I get mad at the referee, and it's not his fault. He's not perfect. But we have to strive to do those good things every day. Because what's the point if we don't? What's the point if we don't? So remember that our good works are done in response to a faith that we have because Jesus has loved us first. We can never love him first. Jesus loved us first. He died for us, so now we can respond the right way. We respond in faith and now in good works. But remember, our works, the works that I do, have no redemptive power, none. My good works can never save me. Because even if I have good works, I have a lot of bad ones. Like the good works, this pile is over here, like right, right here. That's about it. And all of my bad works are like up to the ceiling. That's the comparison. If that, you can like cut that in half and double that. My works have no, the works that I do have no redemptive power whatsoever. The redemptive power is in the work of Jesus Christ. I want you to hear that. Jesus is the only way to heaven. His name, he's the only thing. You cannot do good things to get to heaven. That is completely false. People will live and they will die believing I do good things. I read my Bible. I go to church. I go to small group. I give to the poor. But they will never know Jesus because they got to have faith. they got to place it in the one who did the work. Who did the work for us. Um, saving faith works in our life so that we do good works. And it changes our heart and our mind and our whole being. And what it also does is it it, it changes an understanding of who we are and who God is. 
we understand the relationship between God and man, between God and man, not man and God, because God created the world, and now we have a relationship with him, but it was broken. He sent Jesus. Because of Jesus, because we have faith, now I have restored, Jesus has restored the relationship from, from him to me. That's the gospel. So if you're right, if you're taking notes, division. So the next point is saving faith produces a right understanding of, of both God and man. Saving faith produces an understand the right understanding, a right understanding of who God is and who man is. So after James has said, faith without works is dead, it's useless. He brings a rebuttal to the table. He brings a response. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. James says, so James is bringing something to the table. They say, I have faith and you have works. But that's not it. How can you see they have faith? They just say it. Only their word accounts for their faith. I hope people see the saving faith that has taken place in my life. I hope they see it. If they don't, I have to reevaluate that. I have to reevaluate what I'm doing, why I'm doing what I'm doing. What kind of faith is this? It's not the faith that has conviction, right? It's not that faith. Their faith is one that doesn't work. Their faith is one that doesn't work. James says, I see your standalone faith. I see your standalone faith, and I'll raise you a faith that works. James says, I can see your faith that you say you have, but I'm going to show you my faith by work, by the works that I do, the love that I have for one another. Remember, in the verses before, don't be partial. Love each other. Love your, love your neighbor, and especially love the people in your church, the family that you have. Not your literal family, but your family that you have in Christ. Uh, a lot of people want to do away with good works they want to say i just have faith or people say no you have to do good works to be saved we don't want to do either of those there's two extremes one over here and one over here we want to be kind of in the middle we have faith but it works but we work out our faith we do good works and we love one another We should be seen in the community by the loving acts towards one another. These loving acts are godly. Loving one another is a godly thing, and that's what God called us to do. Is to love your, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And what does that mean? Does that just say, I love you? No, you're doing things. You put them before you. 
Jeff Brown told me a long time ago that if you love someone, you will put their needs before your own. You will put their needs before your own. A parent understands that better than anybody. You will put the needs of your child before the needs of your own. A believer's faith is seen through their works, and a person can be seen by their fruit and works. We think of Galatians 5 when we think about fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. But it's not just one of those. It's all of those that are good. We love one another. We have joy. We have self-control. We don't get angry at the person who cuts us off in the road. Believe me, I'm yelling every time somebody doesn't go fast enough on the road. It's hard. But it's not just one. It's all of those. It's loving your neighbor as yourself. And this is big. It's not just that we love the world as ourselves. We love each other in this room, in this church, more than ourselves. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul talks about unity. Striving to do the needs of others before your own. Because love brings unity in the church. Love brings out the unity that we have. Because the only unity that we have is in Jesus. Um, James kind of ends this, this section and he says, You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So James is actually slapping them in the face. He's giving them just down the road. He's, he's just saying, that's nothing. Even the demons believe. But what does that mean? Okay, so he first says, he says, you do well. You believe that God is one. So James is echoing what Deuteronomy 6 says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. He says, the Lord your God is one. Love him with all your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and with all of your strength. He agrees with Deuteronomy chapter 6. And that's, that's the crux of the Jewish tradition, of the Jewish religion. The Lord, of, the Lord our God is one. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And James agrees. I want to agree with James. So he's saying, you do well. You believe that God is one. But even the demons believe and they shudder. So is this belief the same belief that we say? We say, believe in Jesus. Is that the same belief? No, it's not. Demons have a mental understanding of who Jesus is, of who God is, of how the, the way the world works, probably better than we do sometimes. But they will never, ever, ever have the transformation that has happened in my life. They will never have that. They will only have the mental understanding of the gospel. A lot of people have the mental understanding of who Jesus is. They have a mental understanding of the gospel, and they're, and they're not saved. Because the gospel hasn't transformed. Real faith transforms. It's not just up here. It changes the whole being of who you are. It changes everything about you. 
you have new wants, you have new desires, you have new everything. And that's going to fight against your old self. The old self is gone, the new has come. But you have to fight and work and claw for every good thing that you can do. Because you're fighting a battle. The war has been won. Jesus has won. He has defeated death. He's defeated sin. He's made you holy. But you have to fight every day to make a choice. To make a decision to follow Christ. Now look, we're good Baptists and we make decisions. And we baptize people because of decisions, right? We make a decision on a card. It says, I believe in Jesus. But not every decision becomes a disciple. Because they don't understand that it's not just up here. That it's, it's in my heart. It's in my being. It's, who, it's in what I am. I have faith in Jesus and he has changed everything about me. Not every decision becomes a disciple. They don't understand. They, they have a mental understanding, but they don't have a heart understanding. You need all of it. You need both. The Old Testament talks a lot of times about your body, your soul, your heart, and your mind. And sometimes they couple them together. With all that you are, you are both body and soul. You are both heart and mind. With all of who you are, have faith in Jesus. Because if you just have a mental capacity of saying that Jesus is Lord, but you don't act that way, that's, that's super scary for me. As a Christian growing up, I was saved relatively early at 11 years old. really didn't experience that much. I remember getting up here, sharing my testimony, saying I didn't do bad things. I, didn't, I mean, I, did, I, did, I disobeyed my mom and dad. I might have stole a cookie out of the cookie jar, stole the oatmeal pies out of the, out of the jar. I know I did that. But I didn't do anything really bad. How could I? I was, I was 11 years old. So a lot of Christians today struggle with this. They, can't, they say, I was saved when I was younger. So I have to, and I fight these things that are all the pride and lust and all those things that I fight today. They don't understand why do I fight these things because they didn't fight those when they were younger. The children in our churches get saved at a young age, and when they go to college, they, they drop. They don't, they don't believe it anymore because it's hard. People who were saved after 25 or 30 understand where all that stuff is. They understand all this stuff that's not worth it. So I want to encourage you to fight through every day, make a decision. Whether you were saved when you were 7, whether you were saved when you were 20, whether you were saved when you are 80, Make a decision not to just follow with your mind, but follow with your heart. Follow with everything that you are. Follow with everything that you are to follow Jesus. Um, as when, I'm, when I'm coaching, I really get frustrated by seeing players or even people who don't really care about what we're doing, about what... Um, what we're trying to do is, as a basketball team. So my first thing is I'm going to yank that player off the floor if they're not giving everything that they have. They might say, hey, coach, I want to play. But they don't really believe that. They don't, like, really want to do that. Do we really want to do this? Do you really want to strive to do good works so that people see your faith? Because our faith our, or our works can do nothing only thing they can do is point 
them to you. And hopefully you have faith in Jesus. You don't want people following you. I don't want people following me because I'm going to take them down the wrong path. I want them to follow Jesus. Do we want that? People say they do. A lot of people say they do, but in the, when it comes down to it, do they want it? I remember sharing this with you guys before. People overseas are murdered. Their kids are taken away from them. They're put in prison. Not, not our prisons, not a comfy bed, three square meals a day, and cable TV at break. No, they are in prison on a ground floor that is terrible. A cell that might be four and a half feet tall. If they decide to make a decision to follow Christ, it means something. I hope that your decision means that much. And I pray that mine is as well. I pray that your decision means that much to you. That you have faith in Jesus and you're going to work it out. You're going to say, I'm going to do these good things. I'm going to do these good things. The gospel transforms the life of those who believe. That's the main thing. Faith in Jesus Christ transforms you from a, from a dead person to now a spiritually alive person. That's what faith in Jesus does. You, are now, you once were dead, now you're alive. That's the main thing. My works can never make me alive because a dead person can't do a live person things. I'm just going to be dead. But once I was transformed because of the gospel, now I can do good things. And now I can live for the king who died for me. I can live for the creator of the universe who died for me. That's what I can do. And I want you to do that. We are saved by faith alone, but faith is never alone. It should be seen by our good works. We must have more than mental convictions. We must have conviction with all of our being. Do we really have this kind of faith? Do we really have this kind of faith? Is it true faith? And does it produce works? Does it produce love for one another? Can people see the works that you've done? Can people see the works that you do? And I, I don't think you should do works all the time that people can see them. If I do that, I'm going to get really prideful about how good I can do, how good I can be. Serve somebody when they don't see it. Serve somebody when they will never know who you are. Serve somebody when they will never see you again. Because I promise, you can be prideful. I'm pr- I would be so prideful if I did a good work every, t- every time. Every, th- every day I did something good, I would be super prideful of who I am. We have to do good works because of our faith. Good works that are seen by others that we have a faith that is saving faith. Not 
weak faith, but strong faith. Um, as, as we end, I really want you to, to answer the question, is my faith saving faith? Does it work? Not does it work for me. Does it work so that others can see the gospel, so that other can, others can see your faith? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you um, once again for just the opportunity to speak I mean, be here at, at the church that I love. And I pray that they heard your word, not mine, that I can never do, I can never speak, but without you. I pray that they really, really take a check, they take a, a really good look in the mirror to say, does my faith work? Does my faith do the things necessary for people to see? Because I can never, ever do those things by myself. God, I pray that, that you will encourage those who are saved to do good works and you, that you will convict those who say they have faith but don't do it. God, we're th- God we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his life and what he has done for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. As we sing, will you respond? Uh, I'm going to stand down here. You don't have to talk to me because I can't do anything for you. If you need help and sp- to speak to somebody, I'm, gladly, I'm glad to talk to you. But this place is for you to do, to do what you need to do in front of the Lord.